Go ahead and take your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. <clears throat> As you're turning there, a couple quick announcements that I forgot to mention earlier. Um, we are going to have a called conference at the end of our service today. The uh, air conditioner is out in our main floor here behind us in the education building. And um, so we need to vote today to make the repairs. So church members, we encourage you to stay after service so we can handle that and we can get it fixed as soon as possible. Um, secondly, um, we need to wish a congratulations to Laura and Danny Queen because she is now Laura Queen. And so they got married this past weekend or you know, it was last, last Saturday, right? A week ago. And so uh, congratulations to you guys. And, and so we're praying for y'all. And so, um, <laughs> um, and also don't forget, we have a new baby in our church, um, Josh and Kelly Cranish. Gave, uh, Kelly, not John, Kelly gave birth to um, uh, James Reese Cranish a um, week and a half ago. So continue to be in prayer for them as they are got that new bundle of joy in their life. Probably wondering why we're in Matthew, where we've been going through the book of Acts um, for the past 18 months, and it's been good. Um. I wrestled this week in, in what to bring you today. Um, I wrestled in what you need to hear. I wrestled with what I needed to hear. Um, and a lot of my time this week, as, I was, as I've been in God's Word, um, some of it has been reflecting on Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. And it's been encouraging to me Friday afternoon, I believe it might have been yesterday, I texted a couple pastor friends of mine that I'm very thankful for. We have a text thread and we talk about everything. Um, but I told them, I was like, I do not have the words that my people need for Sunday morning. Because I don't even have the words that I need for Sunday morning. I have been very discouraged. I mean, very discouraged. And it's not, it, it's just because it seems like, it, I, and, and I'm trying not to be too transparent, but I'm also trying to be transparent for you to see my weaknesses and my struggles. Trying to see the end, I don't know if you feel like me, it's very foggy. <laughs> Like, is there an end? You know, and pastoring in a pandemic has brought its own struggles. People in our church are hurting. People across the world are hurting. Um, and it's just this past week with just all the people that we've got, um, if a family and people that are struggling, sick in the hospital, it's, it's been hard. Because I feel like I need to bring a word to you of encouragement, but it was a word that I needed to 
have for myself as well. And so I, it, I don't know if you're where I am. You might be. You might be further than me. But Matthew 14, 22 through 33, I feel may bring some encouragement to us this morning, and I hope it does. So Matthew 14, 22 to 33, we're going to look at where Jesus walks on the water. Um, if you're there, say word. That's awesome. <laughs> I heard a kid say it. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Because here's the thing, church, it doesn't matter what I say to you this morning. There's nothing better than the word of God. There's nothing truer than the word of God. There's nothing that can bring more encouragement than what comes from this book. Verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would help us during this time. We pray that you would help us through this word. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've got seven points for you this morning. But the main idea is this. Even in the darkest of days, Jesus keeps his eyes on me. Even in the darkest of days, Jesus keeps his eyes on me, us. When we look at this text, we see that Jesus had just got done feeding the 5,000 men, possibly 15,000 people total. And Jesus has told his disciples to get into the boat and they're going to travel. But Jesus decides to go pray. And we see in this text, amazing miracles. And I'm saying that plural. We're not just seeing Jesus walking on the water in this text. We're seeing Peter walking on the water in this text. We're seeing Jesus rescuing Peter as Peter is sinking into the water. We're seeing miracles in this passage. I don't know if... if if you feel like me, but there's a storm in our life. A storm of discouragement, 
storm of worry and anxiety, a storm of fear maybe, a storm of you name it, whatever you're going through, we all are dealing with some storm in our lives that even like the boat, the waves just keep beating up against us. We feel like there's no end in sight. But we need to be reminded of the fact that even in the darkest of days, and guys, even though today feels dark, even though days that we're living in now feels dark, understand they can get darker. They can always get worse. So we need to be reminded that even in the darkest of days, Jesus keeps his eyes on me. So how do we see that Jesus keeps his eyes on us in the middle of trials, in the middle of storms, in the middle of sufferings? How do we see it in this text? Verse 22, we see it with number one. We see it through the providence of Christ. The providence of Christ. Verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. He made the disciples get into the boat. The disciples got into the boat. They listened to what Jesus said, do they obeyed and they went. And Jesus, who we know through scripture is the creator of all things. Jesus, who we know is sovereign. Jesus, who we know knows. He knows the storm's coming. And if Jesus truly is providential, Jesus is even the one, hear me say this, that brings the storms. He controls the weather. And as these disciples are heading out into the water, they have no idea that they're about to head into a storm. But what do they know? They know that Jesus told them where to go. And they went where Jesus said, go. They trusted in what Christ said to do. When I was, I think I was six, maybe seven. This is why I have a fear of snakes, Leto. This is why I have a fear of snakes. When I was six, maybe seven, a little green snake. When I say little, it was like that big, but little green snake slithered down a tree in my parents' backyard. And my mom, who was a stay-at-home mom at that time, my dad was working, screamed, said, Jesse, kill it, Jesse, kill it. I'm this tall. Go get the shovel, Jesse, kill it. Me and my brother Chris, we go and we grab the shovel. And I go and, guys, I don't kill snakes now. I mean, unless they're unless they're copperheads, I will kill a copperhead. But snakes, I will not kill. But I killed the snake. Terrified. But I listened to what my mom said. Do right. You listen to your to, to your mama, because if you don't, there's consequences. Even though I did not like what it was, even though I did not. Like the situation, even though I was terrified of the snake and I still am today, I don't do snakes. I called Leto one time when we had a snake in our hallway. Leto was 
getting off work at his other job at that time. Hey, man, come get this snake. (laughs) I ain't touching it. This is a little black snake. These disciples trusted the Savior, trusted Christ, and did what he said. And Christ had a purpose. Do you hear what I'm saying? Through his providence, through what he told the disciples to do, Christ had a purpose for this. There's purpose in his providence. There's purpose in our suffering and our trials. There's purpose in why God brings us to and brings us through situations in our life. There's purpose. There's no, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to the Bible, there's no such thing as purposeless suffering. No such thing. So they trusted in the providence of Christ. Christ, Jesus keeps his eyes on us. He's providentially working within our lives. He's providentially putting people in our lives. He's providentially putting us in these situations at times. Trials, James tells us to consider it all joy when trials come your way because it is for your growth. It's for your sanctification. Providentially, these things happen for the purpose that God has. And we don't know what they are all the time. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The mysterious things are for God and the revealed things are for us. We do not cannot fully understand and comprehend the purposes of God sometimes. But Jesus has a purpose for the disciples. And it's through His providence. Number two, second thing we can see in this text, even in the darkest days as Jesus keeps His eyes on us, number two, we see the prayer of Christ. The prayer of Christ. Look at verse 23. And after He had dismissed the crowds, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Church, did you know that Christ prays for us? That he is interceding for us? Robert Murray Machane once said, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Christ, Scripture tells us that Christ is interceding for us. And even here in verse 23, we can make the assumption that during this time of prayer, because this time of prayer is ours worth, He is praying not only for Himself, but He's praying for the disciples. He's praying for those that he just sent out onto the water. How can we know that he's praying for the disciples? Because he prays for them in John 17. They are a part of his prayer. Church, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering, Christ intercedes for us. He prays for us. 
I know that sounds weird. I know the Trinity can be confusing. But he does. And if we can, if we can trust on Christ, who's interceding for us, who's praying for us, can it not alleviate the fears and the anxieties that we carry at times? If we trust that God is a providential God, that God is a sovereign God, that He works out all things, all things, all things. He works out everything for His His glory and our good. He works out everything to accomplish His purposes because God never fails. And if we can trust in God's sovereignty, in His providential care for us, then we can trust in God, in Christ interceding, His praying for us. You know how encouraging it is to know that somebody is actually praying for you? You, you know that feeling. You know that encouragement. That somebody actually cares enough to take time out of their busy schedule to intercede for you. Going to God on your behalf. Praying for you as you struggle. Praying for you as you suffer. Praying for you as you are going through what you're going through. But how much greater of an encouragement is it that Christ is praying for us? That He's going to the Father for us? That He's interceding? Why? Because it shows us His care for us. Jesus cares for you. There's encouragement there. There has to be. Not only do we see the prayer in Christ in verse 23 to where Jesus keeps his eyes on us. Verses 24 to 26, we see number three, the power of Christ. Ooh, I messed that up. Number three is power of Christ, not presence. So keep three should be four. And then four should be five, five should be six, six should be seven, I think. Number three is power of Christ. Verse 24. I put those in the, in the computer. This isn't Wesley's fault. Don't blame him. Verse 24. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Let's, let, let's look at verse 27 also. Verse 27 says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. We see the power of Christ in verses 24 to 26. Because what's going on? This is a storm. All right, this isn't some little bitty drizzle and thunder. This is a storm. It's rocking the boat. These are fishermen. They typically don't get afraid on the water, but they do get afraid when storms come. They know how to handle waves, but it, right now these waves are beating them, tossing them all over the place. They're, they're freaking out. And check this out. It's the fourth watch of the night in verse 25. It is between 3 and 6 a.m. They have been on the water for at least nine hours. 
and they've only gone three miles. That's how hard this storm is. That's how hard this storm is beating up against them. That's how hard it's coming up against them. But Jesus comes to them walking on the sea, not tripping, not stumbling, walking, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. We see, we see church, the power of Christ as he's walking on the water. We see that he is ruler and creator of all things because the wind and the waves, they do what? They obey him. They don't go against him. They don't try to drown him. They don't try to toss him. They listen to him. The storm is subject to the Savior. The storm is subject to the King and the ruler of all things. So can I, can I say this? There is no storm in your life. There's no trial and suffering in your life that God is not sovereign over. There is no suffering in your life that God has no control over. He has control over it all. He has power over it all. We see the power of Christ. In church, that that should alleviate our fears. That should ease our anxieties. As we trust in the one who controls everything. As we trust in the one who can stop it if he so chooses. See the power of Christ. And and, and this Christ who has this power keeps his eyes on us. Even in the darkest of days. The darkest of storms, the darkest of trials. He keeps his eyes on us. He does not lose his gaze. We're going to get to that here shortly. Not only do we see the power of Christ, number four, we see the presence of Christ. What does Jesus say in verse 27? But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. One commentary said that it's almost like Jesus is saying, I am, period, relax. Because when Jesus says, it is I... It is the same as when God at the burning bush said, I am. Jesus is displaying who he is as God to the disciples here with what he says. Take heart, it is I. Take heart, I am. Take heart, I am God. Take heart, I am in control. Take heart, I know what I'm doing. Take heart, I am doing this for a purpose. Take heart, it is for your good and for my glory. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Why do we not need to be afraid? Fear is alleviated by the presence of Christ. Jesus tells us at the end of Matthew 
that I will be with you wherever you go. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he doesn't. There is nowhere you can go that Jesus isn't there. There is nothing that will come your way where Jesus will leave your presence. Jesus is with us and He will never leave us. I mean, when you feel alone, when you feel at the very end of your rope, when you feel the most terrified, when you feel the most weak, Christ's presence should strengthen us and encourage us. He is always with us. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It's happened again in the same house when I was six or seven, the same house where I had to kill the green snake, poor snake. Power went out. This was 1994, 95. Y'all remember a blizzard that came through Stanley County around that time? Knocked out power in Aquadale. That's where, that's where I was living at, at that time. Knocked out power. I am ter- I, I was, I still am a little bit, terrified of the dark. I don't know what's in it. And I don't know what's going to get me. But the power goes out and I, I'm in the living room and I run. My parents, my siblings are just kind of sitting around the house trying to figure stuff out. I run out the front door, the whole, the whole neighborhood's dark. And all you see is the moon and you can see it reflecting off the white snow. And I shut the door and I ran through the living room and through the kitchen and right into a wall. I am not joking right into a wall because I was terrified. But when my dad grabbed me, I'm right here. When I heard my mom's voice, I'm over here. I didn't care about my siblings, but my parents were there. It was encouraging. I felt a little safer, right? You've been there. You might not be terrified of the dark, but you have felt safe around somebody. There's somebody that makes you feel safe. Presence of Christ in our lives should make us feel safe. Because Romans tells us that there is nothing that can separate us from His love. There is nothing that can separate us from Him. He will ever be present with us through the hardest of days and through the greatest of days. He's right next to us. Not only do we see the presence of Christ in this text, number five, we see the provision of Christ. Look at verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. 
Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Y'all have heard this story. Y'all have heard this story. And, and there is there's argument as to whether, you know, Peter was in the wrong here. Was he testing God, trying to get out of the boat? Was he, was he lacking faith when he began to sink? What, what, what is it? What's going on here? I believe, first off, that Peter was not testing Christ because the translation, if it is you, can also be translated since it is you. It could be Peter saying, since it's you, command me to come to you onto the water. And Peter gets out of the boat. It takes, it took a tremendous amount of faith and courage for Peter to get out of the boat. It did. Got to think, this wasn't a little paddle boat. I don't know, some, some of y'all might have speed boats. It wasn't a speed boat. It was probably six to seven feet from the edge of the boat to the top of the water. He had to climb out of that boat. And he had to possibly climb down. Can you, can you imagine Peter? I don't know how tall. I'm, if, if I imagine Peter, he might be 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, That's average, right? He's got his feet dangling. He's holding on to the edge, trying to find the water. He finally lets go and stands on it. And he's doing all right. And he comes to Jesus. He starts walking. But what does he do? Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I see the provision of Christ here. How so? First off, he gives is it, 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 it wasn't it wasn't the amount of faith that Peter had that got him out of the boat and to walk on water. It wasn't the amount of faith. That's prosperity gospel. We don't we don't preach pro- prosperity gospel here. We don't believe that the that healing comes by the amount of faith we have, or or that provisions come by the amount of faith. How strong our faith is. No, Peter was able to get out of the boat and walk on the water because of the object of his faith. His faith was in Christ who allowed him, who enabled him to walk on the water. Church, Christ provides for us He provides for us in the midst of trials and suffering. He gives us that strength and that joy that we need to endure the trials. He provides for our every need. Philippians 4, 12 through 13. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ gives Peter the strength to do this, to get out of the boat. And it takes Peter trust and faith to do so. But what happens? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he looks at the storm. He looks at the wind. He feels the waves. He sees how dark it is. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. 
mean, can you imagine what that might feel like? Like, hold up, Jesus, something's wrong here. Water's coming up. I'm feel, I'm going under. You ever? My Greek professor gave me a word that I've never forgot. This was when I took Greek at Winget. Inundated. You know what the word inundated means? It means that you are in water, inundated in water, and it is up to your nose, and you feel like you're about to to, to drown, but you're not drowning just yet. You ever felt inundated? Like, wow, this is a lot of pressure. I'm not drowning yet, but I'm almost there. Peter's feeling like this. And Jesus, after Peter cries out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did, why did, did you doubt? Let's look at this just for a quick minute. Peter took his eyes off of Christ. Christ never took his eyes off of Peter. Peter starts to look at the storm. Jesus is looking at Peter. Because as soon as Peter cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately grabs him. Christ provides strength. He provides rescue. He provides redemption. He provides hope. He provides security, protection. And I know some of you may be feeling like you're sinking. Some of you may be feeling like you can't keep your eyes off the storm and put it back on Christ. Can I just encourage you this morning that Christ has never taken his eyes off of you? We're going to be like Peter. We're going to be like Peter. We're going to be, oh, you of little faith. He calls him a, a little faith. He... What does that mean? It doesn't mean that Peter has no faith. It means Peter is still growing in his faith. As we all are. We all are going to be looking at the storm at times. We're going to take our eyes off of, off of Christ. But be encouraged that when we do, Christ is faithful to never take his eyes off of us. And he is faithful to hold us secure. R.C. Sproul once said, and I've said this a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand times more. R.C. Sproul once said that our faith is not found on our hold of Christ, but on His hold of us. How is it that we can live in a world that is riddled with sin and disease and sickness and suffering and dying and struggling and just everything that you can think of? How can we live in this type of world? Because Christ has a hold on us. And He's not going to let us go. He has provided that through His grace. Not only do we see the provision of Christ, number six, we see the peace of Christ. After Peter and Jesus walk back to the boat, hand in hand or arm over arm, I don't know how that went, but I'm sure it was comforting for Peter who just got redeemed out of the water and Jesus probably has His arm around him and they're walking back to the boat on the water. They get into the boat and what happens? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. The wind ceased. Let me, let me explain this, church. Sometimes the wind won't cease. But the only one that can 
allow the wind to cease is Christ. There is peace at the cross. There is peace with the one who gave his life so that we may live eternally with him. There is peace with the one who controls and sustains and redeems all things for his purpose and glory. There is peace with Jesus in the darkest of days. There's peace with the one who never takes his eyes off of us. And lastly, number seven, praise is due to Christ. Verse 33. And those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. They see the one who controls the wind and the waves by walking on the water. They see the one who provides peace with his presence by acknowledging that he is God and that, that they don't need to fear. They see the one who, who, who has the power to control all things, to do all things. They see the one who has compassion on Peter to pull him out of the water. They see the one who is faithful to redeem. And they see the one who can bring peace in all circumstances. He is worthy of all praise. Why? Because of who he is. Not just because of what he can do. He is God. That's what they said. Truly, you are the son of God. So let me ask you this morning, church, have you taken your eyes off of Christ and put it on the storm like I have? Have you taken your eyes off of Christ and have forgotten and just need to be reminded that he is the son of God? That he is sovereign and creator and ruler and redeemer. That he is good and faithful and compassionate. Maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning. How is it that we can live in the darkest of days? How is it that we can live in a day where we don't see an end in sight with what we're struggling with? By looking to the one who keeps his eyes on us. By looking to the one who will strengthen us when we're at our weakest. Looking to the one who will provide for us when we have nothing looking to the one who does all things for our good and his glory. I pray that's who you are looking to today. The one who controls all things, who's ruling and reigning, and nothing can thwart him. Nothing can thwart his, pur his purposes and promises. Nothing can dethrone him. He is forever our king and forever will be. And he is deserving of all of our worship. Praise is due to Christ. So even in the darkest of days, Jesus keeps his eyes on us. Will you turn to him today? Let's pray. Father God, you are so good and gracious and merciful. And your word is an encouragement to us. God, we are thankful. We are thankful for what you have provided for us on the cross. You sent your son to die for our sin. And God, if he is willing to do that, if, if the son of God is willing to suffer and die for our sin, then can we not trust him when we are suffering? If he cares enough for us to suffer and die for us, can we not trust him in our darkest days? Help us to do that.
Help us this morning, God, as people are hurting, as people are struggling, as people are doubting, as people are worrying. Help us to turn our eyes to you. Help us to look to the one who can provide that peace, who can provide that strength, who can provide that hope. Help us turn to the one who is sovereign and good. Help us turn to the one who died for us so that we may have true life and true joy and true satisfaction. God, we plead for that this morning. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.